All right. Well, good morning, Trace. How's everybody this morning? Everybody good? Everybody good? Spring is on the way. Hopefully in Colorado, you don't really know until like July, right? We're actually going to get a spring or summer, but hey, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are incredibly, incredibly thankful that you have joined us this morning, especially if this is your first time with us. If you're a guest, want to extend a special welcome to you, and also want to look on uh, or at the camera and welcome those that are watching online today. Thanks for joining this conversation. Well, today we kick off a new series called RE, and really this is going to be an eight-week conversation where we're going to take a second look at several different aspects of our lives and even several different aspects of the church that we have potentially gotten wrong. Now, sometimes when we think of these things, we might think of them as failures, but I have intentionally and specifically not chosen not to use the word failure because failure sounds so final. But let's talk about this word for a second. What if we reshaped the word failure as growth? What if failure wasn't something that was final, like a final moment in our life, but what if failure in the hands of God became something that prepared us for the future? Because I believe God can do that with our failures. And so my hope is that as we begin this eight-week conversation, as we take a second look at several different aspects of our lives, and even at the church, that we'll approach it understanding that in the hands of Jesus... Our failure is never final. Our failures can be reshaped as growth. Well, today we're going to kick off this series by taking a second look at the church. And let me begin by saying this, guys. I love the church. I think we should all love the church. (laughs) The church was God's plan A. He really didn't have a plan B. God's church was his plan to reach this world with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's why I personally believe that the church is the hope of the world, helping people to both find Jesus and then learning how to follow him. But somewhere along the way, things got off track. Things really did get messed up and went incredibly wrong. And so when people take issue with the church, and I seem to have these conversations on an almost weekly basis, I'm very sensitive to their opinions at times. Because along the way, they didn't really get to experience the hope of the world. Along the way, they got to experience some cheapened down version of what the church was supposed to be, leaving them feeling judged or guilty or unloved. And so I'm very sensitive to these conversations because oftentimes these guys have good merit for the opinions that they share with me. I bet we all have friends like that, don't we? Friends that maybe you've even invited into this place that struggle to step back foot, to step back into a church because of what they were left with the last time that they gave it a shot. And so today, friends, what we're going to do is we're going to rethink church. And here's the one thing that we're going to come back to several times this morning. When the church ceases to be a movement, she misses out on her true mission. So let's start by answering these two questions. What is the church? And what is it supposed to do? Now to answer this, I need to take us back into church history. 
And we are going to take a more scholastic approach to this subject today. And so if you're a note taker, I would encourage you to get out whatever it is that you capture notes on. And even if you're not a note taker, this may be a great opportunity for you to capture some things and have conversations with your friends that, like I have that are ticked off with the church to maybe explain to them that the church that they think they know is actually not the church at all. And if nothing else, maybe if you take some, take some notes, you can sound smarter later when you have conversations with people on this particular subject. And believe it or not, this conversation needs to start with the word church. Believe it or not, we actually got things wrong by using the word church. Give me some time here and I'll build this case. Let's first start in the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, if you were to pull out your Bible right now and read through the New Testament, along the way, you're going to find the word church. And in the original language, the, the language that the New Testament was originally written in is, is the language of Greek. And sometimes people in my position, pastors, we like to share what the Greek word is because it makes us sound smart. But in this particular situation, it's actually really important to our conversation. Because the original word for church in the Greek is the word ekklesia. Ecclesia was originally defined as people being called out to a civil, political, or military-type gathering. Do you see what's not in there? You see, originally the word had nothing to do with buildings, had nothing to do with, do with denominations. It didn't, didn't even have anything to do with Christianity. But then something happens. You see, in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 16, we see Jesus use the word ecclesia for the very first time. And when he used it, he actually brings new, new meaning to the word ecclesia. Let me, let me set up what we're about to read here. You see, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, hey, like, who, do, who do people say that I am? Like, like when I'm not around, what do people say about me? Don't we do this? It's like, I wonder what people say about me when I'm not in the room. And Jesus is kind of doing that with his disciples. He's, he's like, hey, what's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? And some of his disciples say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're a prophet. Some say you're the son of God. And he looks at Simon Peter and he says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, well, you're the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Well, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me take a time out really quick and point something out to you there. The number one word that's put in front of the word church in the entire New Testament is the word the. And so this particular statement also stands out because here we see Jesus say, my church. Friends, that's what you're a part of today. You're not, you're not part of my church. You're not really even a part of Trey's church. You're a part of Jesus's church. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Guys, in this moment, the word ecclesia takes on a new meaning. Right? I mean, we're not allowed to do that, are we? We can't just say, hey, I'm going to give a new definition to this word. Now, I'm from Kentucky, and we do this in Kentucky sometimes. Like, y'all, and, you know, y'all too, we give new meaning to words and make up new words. But we don't really give, we're not allowed to give new meaning, new definitions to words, but Jesus is allowed to do that. And he does that here. So now, this new defined ecclesia sounds more like this. It's a people still being called out to gather but instead of it being political in nature, 
Instead of it being military in nature, it's a gathering for the purposes of God. That is the church. That is ecclesia. At this point, ecclesia takes on the shape of a movement, not a meeting place. Let's fast forward a couple years from this very moment, and we'll find ourselves at the crucifixion scene. You see, Jesus is crucified, he's buried, and then he's resurrected. Let me take a time out really quick and talk about this. I'm going to get off completely on a detour here. Guys, in a couple weeks, we will have our first Easter service here at this church. That's a big deal. The reason we start new churches to begin with is because we believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And because he was resurrected, that changed everything. And so uh, we're going to still be in this re-series, and I'm going to give a sermon that's going to be on the topic of reclaim. I'm extremely excited about that sermon, and I want to encourage you to come and invite everybody you know to come be a, be a part of this. And here's something that we're going to do, because we want so much of what we do here at Trace to be outside of the walls of this place and not just what happens on Sunday morning. And so for every single person that sits in one of these seats on Easter Sunday, we're going to give $5 to Springs Rescue Mission. And Springs Rescue Mission is an organization that is trying to get homeless people off the street and not just take care of their basic needs, but rehabilitate them and try to get them back into the workplace. And so we feel like it's a very uh, honorable ministry to be a part of. And so for every person that comes in this room, we're going to give $5 to that ministry. All right, time in. Let me jump back in here. Well, after Jesus defeats death, he commissions his disciples. He looks at his disciples and he, and he says, now go. Go tell people who I am. Go tell people what I've done. Begin the movement of ecclesia and let people understand that there's salvation, that there's grace, that there's rescue in me. And so for the first time, we actually get to see this movement take shape. We see this in the book of Acts. But let me be very clear here. When they begin to gather in the beginning of the book of Acts, which is when the church first started moving uh, as a movement, it's very different from what we experience today. They didn't have these big, nice, fancy buildings to meet in. They often had to meet in secret. Now, at the same time, I want to be careful with all of us. And if I can, can I just have a moment with you guys? I don't... I don't want to get caught up in those conversations where people say things like, oh, we don't need these big buildings, and we don't need them, and the church isn't about the buildings. And yes, you're right, the church is not about the buildings. And I talk to people all the time, they're like, man, my church is in the mountains, and I'm going to the mountains. And unless you're going to the mountains to meet with other believers and worship God, you're not going to the church. There is no church in the mountains unless you're going up there for the sake of gathering with other people to worship God. And sometimes we get caught up in this idea that buildings end up becoming a bad thing, and they're not. Buildings are just one more tool that God has in his tool chest to use for the kingdom of God. Buildings become not the church. Buildings do become a meeting place. They become uh, a, a breeding ground for more ministry to take place. So buildings aren't bad, but they aren't the church. And so when these first believers in the first and second century started to gather, they had to do so in secret. You see, the Roman emperors were on their tail. They did not want this movement, this Christian movement, to gain any momentum because these people that called themselves Christians, they wouldn't worship Caesar. They would only worship Jesus. And so specific Roman emperors like Nero, Claudius, and Domitian went after Christians 
in a very tenacious way. And it wasn't uncommon for Christians to be imprisoned just for the, just for the sake of gathering. But it also wasn't uncommon for Christians to be captured, dipped in tar, and then lit on fire and placed on the city street to light the night sky. You see, they were doing everything that they could to stop this movement. But they couldn't. And this movement just gained momentum. And it did this for about 300 years. Let me remind us of our one thing today. You see, when the church ceases to be a movement, she misses out on her true mission. Now, this lands us in the early 4th century, and now we have a new Roman emperor that's in charge. And it's a guy by the name of Constantine. And Constantine, to everyone's surprise, becomes a Christian. A Roman emperor becoming a Christian. That would be like Saddam Hussein becoming a Christian. And so what he does is he regulates Christianity as something that's kind of the natural faith of the land. He institutes this policy that says you can freely worship. And what sounds like an incredible thing in the history of the church, which is like, man, now we don't have to worry about being dipped in tar and put on the city streets. This is actually where things go wrong. You see, once it became legal to be a Christian and to gather, Christians started to build buildings. Specifically around areas where there was a martyr who died in the name of Jesus, they would go and if there was land around that particular person's body, they would build a building in his or her name. But if they couldn't build a building there, they would oftentimes take relics from that body, the, the martyr's body, take it to another place, build a building, and then put those relics underneath the communion table where they would worship. And as this happened, these, these buildings began to take on some names. One of the names given to the building was a basilica. And then over time, there was another name given to these buildings called Kirka. And Kirka comes from a German word that called Kirka. And uh, over time, Kirka was translated into English. And Kirka means house of God, and so once it became translated into English, this is where we get the word church. So when you see the word church in the New Testament, scholars would agree this is a poor substitution of the original Greek word ekklesia. And once the church became a location, became a building, the movement of God ceased. This is where things went completely wrong. Let me remind you that when the church ceases to be a movement, she misses out on her true mission. The church was never meant to be a location. The church was always intended to be the ecclesia of Jesus, the gathering and movement of Jesus Christ. And when we make church a location, we start to do a lot of weird things, including some things that you'll see in this video. Check this out. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters.
We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right, I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen, it's just. Okay, you cry during Cake Boss. So like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good, but we want, we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you mm -hmm. know? We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. Hey guys, What's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you, my name's Nick, this hey, is Molly. Molly. Hey guys, welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church, this is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, Ooh, wow. that's good. Big deal. He does dress his age though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, oh. so there's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed, oh. no, okay, got it, yeah. perfect. Okay. So hey, let me show you around, okay? Right, let's Come on. let's do it. I do love this lobby. It's a great lobby, you know? Yeah. It's not too big, not too small, yeah. it should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. But here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. No, I, First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just... Not these days. We're looking no. for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Okay. Now remember, right. it's pretty traditional here. So when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down low. Got it, <laughs> yeah. But the one knock on this church, they still use the childcare numbering system on the screens. Ooh, oh. for the... Yeah. Or as the moms like to call it, the Sanctuary Walk of Shame. Yeah. <laughs> the Sunday morning experience was just... A little too traditional for, for us. For us. I mean, the pastor's main point, 157 characters. I can't tweet that. I really think you guys are going to love this place. I like we it. We do. We like Feels it. Great. Yeah. You know, it's diverse, but it's not like too diverse, you know? Scripture-heavy sermons? Oh, or, yeah. 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 What about, uh, is it community-oriented? Absolutely. Great. Oh, women in ministry? The parking situation, you guys gotta see it. Super rare nowadays. Come with me. There's like a, a maybe for when my parents we'll come into maybe. town. Yeah. For a church for Christmas, Easter type of church. Like a holiday, holiday type church. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh, babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join. Perfect. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. And the men's groups here are amazing. You're just, you're just gonna put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? on the next episode of Church Hunters. I think you're really gonna love this place. They take relevance to a whole new level. This church identifies as inter-denon-denominational. This pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. I thought you'd have some fun with that, I did. Well guys, for the next several centuries, the church gets further and further away from her original purpose. And once these houses of worship became the focus, don't miss this, Whoever was in charge of the buildings had the power, both over the people and the scriptures. And this new institutionalized church ultimately even took charge of the government, which is when we see some of the biggest atrocities in the church's history take place. Things like the Crusades. And with this abuse of control, it became commonplace for the church to have people imprisoned, hanged, and even burned for not believing or behaving the way the institution or the church said that you should. Now, although 
in recent history, we wouldn't say things have been that extreme in the church. I bet some of you in here have had some pretty awful experiences in church. I bet you guys know some friends that you can identify with because of their unwillingness to step back foot in a church because of how church made them feel in the past. Like I said, I feel like I have these conversations on almost a weekly basis now. And I need to let you know that as the leader of this church, anytime that I meet legalism, which is this idea of behavior management, which is you have to behave a certain way before you can belong, I'll walk it to the door. You see, we believe that this is a place where you can even belong before you ever believe. We really want this to be a safe place where you can come and ask questions, voice your doubts, talk about experiences that have left you wounded, and we will do our best, as flawed as we are, to meet you in the midst of those past experiences, those failures, per se, with love. You see, whether it was child abuse scandals, manipulating people to give money, covering up affairs from pastors or ministers abusing their role to control people, or anything else, when the church doesn't operate as the ecclesia of Jesus, we're often left with some cheap interpretation that really causes us to question who God is. When it comes to failure, the church has its fair share of past mistakes, but in the hands of Jesus, even failure, even failure can be reshaped as growth. Corey was telling me a few years ago, um, for those of you that are new, Corey is another pastor here at Trace, and he was a pastor at another church down in Arizona, and he was greeting people out front, and a young lady came up, and she's, you could tell she was for her first time, and she was nervous, and she looked at Corey, and she said, hey, do I have to pay anything? To get in. You see, at some point along the way, <clears throat> she didn't get to experience the ecclesia of Jesus. Some point along the way, she experienced some radical form of legalism. And I've talked to people that are part of these churches where you literally have to give them your W 2 so they know how much you make, so that before you become a member, they know if you're giving 10%. And so Corey, brokenhearted, of course, looks at this young lady and says, It's only $50 for your first time. That's, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Of course, he welcomed her with open arms and tried to help her to see what the church wasn't. See, when the church ceases to be a movement, she misses out on her true mission. So here's what the church is supposed to be. You remember when I said earlier that for the first time they started to gather together and we actually see this take place in the book of Acts, specifically in Acts chapter 2. And by no means is this going to be an exhaustive look about what the church is supposed to do and all the functions of the church. But this really does give us a template to work from. And so what I want to do as we get close to closing our time together out, I want to read from Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And again, just put yourself in the proper context. This is the beginning of of the movement of God, the ecclesia of Jesus, what the church was always supposed to be. Let's read it together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, time out for a second. By no means are we under the, the false 
uh, perception that we're going to have everything in common, nor do we really want to. But one of the things as the leader of this church is a hope that I have, if we could have one thing in common, outside of loving Jesus and putting our faith and focus on him, if we could have one thing in common when it comes to our gatherings or, or who we are as Trace Church, it would be this. I just want to live out the mission. I want us to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. It's as simple as that. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if you want to live out our mission or if you want to buy into Trace Church and what we're trying to accomplish, you're always on mission. Like you're always on mission. You're never off the hook because to leave a trace of God's love everywhere you go means you're always leaving traces of God's love everywhere you go. In your home, when you go to work, when you see your neighbors, when you meet that random stranger in Walmart, or for the cooler people, Target. I'm actually a Walmart person. My wife and I are divided on this. That's, that's another conversation. I'm not going to get into that right now. Just live out our mission. It's my biggest hope if we could have one thing in common. This would be a trace of God's love everywhere we go. There's too much hurt and pain, heartache in this world. Maybe we can do something about it. It says they sold property and possessions to to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. Not just one day, not just an hour on Sundays. Every day. They continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if I could sum that up, again, not an exhaustive, look at what the church is supposed to do. But if I could sum that up, here's what I would say. We need to gather because of Jesus. That's what we do here. It's a gathering. It's what ecclesia means. The ecclesia of Jesus is a gathering for the movement of God's kingdom. We should focus on Jesus. And we do that here on Sundays. We do it by taking communion together, which we'll do a little bit later during our time today. But also getting into God's word and just learning from Jesus himself. Friends, he's the leader of this church. I'm not. I'll do my best to reflect it. But Jesus is the leader of this church. Number three, they cared for people in the name of Jesus. And the last one is they shared Jesus with others. I don't know if you caught that, but gather, focus, care, and share. Guys, that's a movement. That's a movement. It's a movement that I want to be a part of. And I'll do my best to lead us and reflect it in my own life. But I really want to learn from you as well. I really do. Guys, we're in this together. And next week as we continue this, this is really almost like a two-part message. Next week our focus will be reflect. And we're going to talk about how God has given us at Trace Church a unique opportunity to build on the momentum of this particular gathering more quickly than we thought. I've got some fun stuff to share with us next week. Let me pray for us. Father, I am incredibly grateful that we can worship a God that takes our failures and reshapes them as growth. Father, I'm incredibly thankful that 
we can look back in history and actually notice where we went wrong. And God, I think I'm on your side when I say it's incredibly important to know like what your original intentions were with your church, where things went wrong and why they went wrong and how we can get back on track. Father, I pray that you help us to stay on track when it comes to the ecclesia of Jesus that began about 2,000 years ago, this movement, this purposeful gathering of your people for the sake of advancing your kingdom. It's not about a location. It's about a movement. Father, we want to be a part of that movement, God. We want to play our part, whatever our role is in it, God. Just continue to show us how we can add momentum to this movement that you started about 2,000 years ago, not getting caught up in four walls. Father, when we leave this building, when we leave this place, we don't leave the church. We leave as your church. Father, we want you to partner with us so that we can be your church in incredibly impactful ways in this community. And if nothing else, leave traces of your love everywhere we go. I pray this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.